Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. <laughs> I needed that caffeine. I, um, oh, before I forget, today is Friday, January 10th, 2020. I probably didn't say it yesterday, did I? <laughs> I, um, I'm running behind this morning. Moving slowly. I, um, actually didn't wake up until seven, which is unusual for me. Um, and I don't think I stayed up all that late either. But um, the, I, I finished The Fate of the Tala yesterday. Yay! Yay! Uh, I still have to um, finish out the epilogue today with um, just a little bit of the happy, happy, joy, joy, which will be easy. Uh, but I got it completely finished yesterday. And I finished around 4.15, 4.30. And it was just like, um, I've talked about that before. You know, that like finishing off the story, tying that up is a lot like, I don't know, that final push. I've never had a baby, but, you know, like carving something out of your body and cutting the cord. So I... um drink wine and <laughs> read for a while while David cooked dinner. And then he put on this truly, I think one of the most boring Westerns I've ever seen. And I, I'm not a fan of Westerns anyway, so you could take that with a grain of salt. But he had started to watch it on his iPad and thought maybe it would be good. And it turned out, no, and called the kid about um, Billy the kid. <laughs> but it was, um, the only interesting thing about it was that it was filmed around here. So it was kind of fun to see the, the landmarks that we recognize. But, you know, it was a weird choice in storytelling. You know, it's like there's always got to be some... I have no idea who directed it. So, I, you know, I could be totally wrong on my assessment there. But, you know, there's always got to be like some sort of young buckaroo director who thinks, oh, I'm going to put the my original spin on the Billy the Kid story and to mix it up, I'm going to tell it from the point of view of this other young kid that he rescues and uh, who witnesses his hanging and all of this. And... You know, the thing is, one of the things we talk about a whole lot when authors ask whose point of view should a story be in or a particular scene if you're going for rotating points of view. And one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard is that the scene should always be in the point of view of the person who has the greatest stake in what happens. Uh, and that has served me very well. And that was part of how I came around to deciding that the fate of the Tala needed to be told in Andy's point of view, because it really is, she is the one who has the greatest stake on many levels in the outcome of the story. Um, you kind of have to make choices if you do a, a single first person point of view like that, you won't always in every scene be able to obviously go to the point of view of the person with the greatest stake. But that's part of why first-person point of view stories are powerful because uh, you shape the story around, you know, that it's all about them and what they care about, right? So if you hand off the point of view 
to this kind of random kid who gets rescued by Billy the Kid and has the hero worship and sees him die. Well, who has the greatest stake in that story? <laughs> well, it's not rando kid. Um, also, there was a whole terrible sideline woman in the refrigerator sideline with the sister who like gets turned into the bad guy's whore and... You know, and of course the kids all torn up about it. I was like, "Well, gee, I'm really sorry. You're upset about your sister, whose you know, life is totally ruined. You know, be traumatized forever." <laughs> I don't, you know. It, so anyway, I I was reading. I just had my, and I've been reading Circe by Madeline Miller. Uh, my mom gave me the hardback of it, so I had to like turn on my phone light and read with that. Since we, you know, the room was a little dim for reading paper. That's the whole lowering going back to paper aspect. Uh, <clears throat> and then after that, we, David finally said, well, I'm sorry I picked such a <laughs> bad movie. And I was like, well, it's just really boring. <laughs> and he said, yeah. And he loves Westerns. So that's why I was sort of trying to be good and sit through it. But then he ended up putting on um, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, which, boy, that was, we had not seen that since way back when. And it was funny to see, to remember that, um, you know, Patrick Nielsen Hayden being in that, you know, that that really rebooted his career. And it was such a shock to see him in there. And they're all like, dude, he has her. You know, and of course, now he's really done so much and appears on so many things and is, you know, well, quite the luminary, I would say. But it was funny that um, to see him turn up in that. And, of course, they had him being a het character. Otherwise, I'd forgotten a lot of things about it. I'd forgotten about, like, when they were in jail, that there was the, the black guy who was in there who just gets a red. They ask him why he was in there, and he said, for being black. <laughs> and, and the cops all tackle him at one point, and they're like, he's got a gun, he's got a gun, and he says, it's a book. And they're like, contain the book. <laughs> and considering that was what, um, 2005? No, maybe it's got to be, is it older than 2005? Let's look. We'll probably be able to find it fast since I was looking at the uh, data. 2004. Okay. I guess it just feels like maybe it should be older than that. But um, I guess 2004 was a long time ago, wasn't it? 16 years. So uh, that was good. Uh, that was a nice brain dead movie, and uh, we laughed. <laughs> laughed a lot. Um, stood the, the test of these ensuing 16 years quite well. Um, rather shockingly well was some of the social commentary in there. And so that was um, interesting to see. So then we went to bed, but I, I'm, I was wiped out. I guess I was tired. So I did try to run a little bit this morning. My knee isn't quite letting me run, but I was doing a very fast walk quasi jog while holding on to the handlebars to stabilize myself. So Nia's coming along, getting there. And I also did a little bit of Facebooky stuff this morning. But mostly I think I'm just... Um, Moving a little slowly, and that's okay, because I can get this done and sent to the copy editor today, and then rest my little brains for a while. 
Circe is an interesting read. Um, my mom bought it based on the cover, I think. Um, and it does have a beautiful cover. And I think we, we would have to get her to weigh in. We should have her call in and we could discuss it. I know she put it down again. I don't know if she read the whole thing or if she got disgusted. And she, I think she thought it was going to be more of an adult fantasy like my books. And she might have been like checking out the competition partly. And, and you know, maybe because of the way it was built with the Greek mythology, it's a, a retelling of the tale of Circe the witch who um, harbors Odysseus. And she, she thought um, she couldn't, she was really. I think bothered by the way it was written. And when I looked at it and looked it up, I saw, oh, well, that it was billed as YA. And so, and I know, I feel like YA has a very particular voice and style that, um, you know, if you haven't been reading it, you could be taken aback. But I don't think it reads like YA. Um, and I am almost done with it. And I've been enjoying the read. Um, Madeline Miller has a beautiful prose style and I I did enjoy the slow pace of it I thought I saw some reviews saying that there was too much romance in it and there is not romance in it I mean there are she has a couple of love affairs but um, this is definitely not romance with a capital R by any stretch uh, the there's really no sex I mean it's all fade to black and lolling in bed afterwards. Um, and there is no exploration of the feelings of, of love or and what we expect from romance. What was interesting is, and I see, I feel like female authors fall into this trap all the time. And, and I'll qualify that by saying, that I think female authors fall into the trap of because they're trying to do something different, whereas male authors, a lot of them just never even go there in the first place. So uh, I'm not saying that male authors are by any stretch are doing things better than the female authors. But, you know, Circe is a fascinating character, and we have been in her head through the entire book, and it was really... I was fascinated to read her story. I was enjoying it very much, you know, her development as a witch and all of this. And you, you know when it started to get really boring is when she intersected with Odysseus. And I feel like that was the logical point to be writing the story towards because that's, you know, clearly how we know of Circe is through the, the Iliad and the Odyssey through Homer. But it was like, once Odysseus came onto the scene, he became the focus of the story, and it became much more about Odysseus than about Circe. And it's, um, you know, maybe when you have a larger-than-life, you know, hero who's, you know, been told stories about for thousands of years that it's, well, I, I I just threw that out there, and I'm wondering exactly when was the Trojan War, and I guess it was certainly pre-Christian, right? Yeah, so thousands. Um, I should probably know offhand. I, I studied Greek mythology in college, and I read the Iliad and the Odyssey, so I should probably know theoretically when it takes place, but I'm not going to look. 
you know, that maybe what happens is, is when you have a character that powerful, that they will take over the story. You know, if you believe that you are kind of conjuring people when you invite these characters into their stories, you know, lighting the campfire that they come and sit beside, you know, a character like Odysseus is going to come and sit at your campfire and talk really loudly. And <laughs> you're not going to be able to hear anybody else anymore. But, um, you know, I think in some ways she's, you know, much more fascinated with Odysseus. And, I mean, he's a much more active character, which is something that female authors do a lot. Um, no, I'm going to say all authors. All authors tend to make the male characters much more active than the female characters. They tend to give them things to do. Whereas the, you know, like go out and travel the world, fight wars, fight battles, you know, do this, that, and that, you know, discover things, all these things. Whereas the women tend to not have things to do. And Circe, by her nature, is a witch and she's gardens and she brews herbs and she makes spells and the the magic is fascinating but it's also quiet right there's not that same kind of like odysseus sailing around the world and challenging gods right there's a difference in activity level so i don't know i'm well, overall, I've enjoyed the book, and I've not read her first book, which was the one that was the bestseller, and so, you know, they really marketed this one based on the first one being a bestseller, which is, I think, Achilles is in the title, I forget, Wings of Achilles or something like that, um, so probably about Achilles, I'm guessing, probably much more about male characters. So it's an interesting thing. It's, I'm, I'm interested to see how she winds up because at this point now we have Circe and Penelope um, in the same room together and also their two sons. And the two sons are still more interesting and active than the two women. Um, but I'll be interested to see how she rounds this out. And then we could get my mom to call in for a special um, review episode. <laughs> So I'm going to get back to work. Uh, Faye Tallo go to the copy editor today. She usually asks me for 14 days. She may be able to get it back to me faster, but we shall see. I'm certain I will have it back by the 27th. At that point, I can get it formatted and up, and it'll be out before the end of January, possibly before that. Um, and of course, if you pre-order through the website store, you will get an email as soon as it's ready. And after that, we'll throw it up on the retailers and let you know when the buy links are active. So I hope you all have a fantastic Friday, Friday, and a great weekend. And I will talk to you all on Monday. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, wait, wait. I forgot to tell you. Did you know? <laughs> I was almost a bad kitty. Um... Jeffy's first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And now I will talk to you on Monday. Take care. Bye-bye.